Brother Ted, you come. We sure did enjoy Sunday school. Uh, I am so glad. I'm looking forward to Missions Conference 2020 next time. Sure. <laughs> Amen, brother. God bless you. Wow. This is a two-water church. I'm getting good here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to hear that last announcement. My message this morning is the answer to everything. Amen. You come to the right place and it doesn't matter. If you're you know, in, in a church, and again, as I told the men in Sunday school, we live in little bubbles where we walk around in public and pretend something, but our hearts, maybe something else is going on. So I have the answer to everything this morning. If you're here this morning contemplating divorce, I have the answer for you. If you have marital problems, I have the answer for you. If you're thinking about suicide, I have the answer for you. Amen. Adultery, I have the answer. You're backslidden, I have the answer. Amen. It's getting better, isn't it? Wounded spirit. Sometimes maybe you went to another church or maybe in this church and somebody wounded your spirit. You got hurt. And that hurt, oh, I know you got a good smile on your face today, but that hurt is still in your heart. I got the answer for you. If you're here in a loss today, you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I got the answer for you. Amen. You're confused about direction in your life? I've got the answer for you. You say, preacher, I don't know what to do about this decision or that decision. I got the answer for you. Amen. You're depressed this morning? Mm, I got the answer for you. You lost your joy this morning. Now see, y'all, y'all sitting down there looking at me. I'm looking at all of you. One of the glummest places in the world is looking at a Baptist uh, congregation. I'm telling you. I'm going to get you some of them little Valentine hearts with a smiley face on it. You just hold that smiley face up. Amen. But if you lost that joy, I got the answer for you. Turn your Bibles with me, please. I haven't preached in a long time. been a couple of years. I, well, I preached last Sunday in our church in Tennessee. Um, and I am not the pastor of that church. But that, that was the first time about two years I preached anywhere. So this is the second time. And Brother Randy didn't tell me when to quit. So y'all in trouble. Amen. I mean, I got a load for you this morning. And uh, by the way, as far as missions is concerned, I'm recruiting so, y'all be forewarned. Amen. Let, let, let me, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to thank the church for the accommodation, your prayers and support through the years, and the good meals we're enjoying down here, and good fellowship. Thank you so much. All right, we're, we're in Luke. We'll start about, uh, oh, let's, let's start about Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Verse 57. As I tell the New Guineans, just because I got white skin doesn't mean I'm telling you the truth. Okay? Open up your Bible and look. Yeah, yeah this is old-fashioned church. It's not on the screen. You have to find it. Amen. Matthew, Mark, Luke. You'll get it. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. And it came to pass as they went their way, a certain man uh, said to him, Lord... Uh, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, and the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another fellow, Follow me. And he said, Lord, 
Supper to be first to go and bury my father. Now you have to understand his father was not dead. If he was dead, he wouldn't be there. They had to be buried by six o'clock in the evening. So his father wasn't dead. What he wanted to do was go and wait till his father dies so he could get his inheritance. Okay. And Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but first let me go and bid them farewell that are at home at my house. And Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking uh, back is fit for the kingdom of God. Chapter 10, verse 1. And after these things, after he said all these things about following him, he said, after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them a two and two before his face unto every city and every place whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest is truly is great, but the laborers of you pray ye therefore the Lord the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs unto wolves. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for that wonderful, special, and God, the good, uh, warm fellowship and good, warm spirit that's here in this church this morning. I'd ask God, Lord, God, help me this morning. I pray, God, you'd speak to my heart, and Lord, touch hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Now, being a, a, a missionary and preaching missions a lot, it always bothered me when I go into churches and you see the glum faces and there's not much joy. And somebody shakes your hand and they say, how you doing, brother? And they're talking to somebody over here and shaking your hand. Or you go into a pastor's office and he's got his phone out and he's texting somebody and he said, uh, you're in there to talk to him about what he wants. For the he said, go ahead, brother. I'm listening, but he's still on his phone texting. Y'all with me today? Somehow or other, it just seems like his heart is not there in the thing. And that bothered me. And then you get into services and you see God moving among the people. You see people whose hearts are touched. But then you give an invitation and nobody comes. And I thought, Lord, why is that? And then... You get up and say things. For instance, there are 7.42 billion people in this world. And 3.15 billion of them are lost. Y'all with me this morning? Does that bother you? I mean, does it really bother you? I mean, you know, just don't shake your head and say yes, and because that's the spiritual thing you want me to hear. I mean, really, in your heart, does it bother you to know that almost half the world is lost? There was a time in America when if somebody would stand up and say that, the altar would be flooded. And the people would gather around and they would pray. And what they would pray is Isaiah chapter 6. And they said, uh, uh, and they heard the voice of the Lord said, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then said I, Here am I, send me. I realize that all of us can't be in the ministry and all of us can't go to the mission field. But all of us can be a witness for Jesus Christ. 
And I told the men this morning that the church is the boot camp for the army of God. Now listen, I was in the army, and if y'all take a look at my wife's book, uh, in the back for the, you know, she wrote it, but in the back for the men, she put 14 pages of pictures. Amen. Y'all get that in a minute. But there's a picture of me, and I've got an army uniform on. I volunteered to, to go and fight in the United States Army. To do that, I had to go to a place and tell a man that I'm volunteering to fight for my country. What we need in America is, a, or need in the church is a few volunteers. You say, well, God knows my heart. That's the problem. God knows your heart. But you get up and, 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 and you, you, you give this, uh, plea about the need for missionaries around the world. And people hear you or look at you. And then they look at their watch and they say, man, the football game is going to be on shortly. Why don't you hurry up? I mean, it's getting late around here. We've already been here 10 minutes. And you back your car in your parking space so you can be the first one out of the parking lot. Oh, my friend, somewhere along the line, we've missed it. We have missed it. I, I have here somewhere. Well... <laughs> It looked good when I was sitting, there it is, when I was sitting on the seat. This is a drawing, and it's made by the American Baptist Foreign Mission Society, and the date on it is 1814. And what's on this little thing? There's an altar there, and there's the ox, and there's a plow. Now, the plow can, uh, the ox can either pull the plow or he can be sacrificed on the altar. And there's a little slogan on here in the little ribbon across the top, and it says, service or sacrifice, ready for either. Ready for either. Where did that desire go to serve God? Where did the joy go in your life? You remember when you were first saved? Man, I'm telling you, I got saved, my wife and I got saved the same night, March the 7th, 1978, uh, in our living room in West Alexandria, Ohio. We've been married, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, whatever, I guess 10 years at the time. And the day I got saved, or the evening I got saved, I just felt so relieved when I had asked God to forgive me. Forgive me of those sins and to save me. And it's like a giant boulder lifting off my shoulders. Y'all remember that? I'm sure it happened to your life just like it did mine. And your heart is just filled. Really, you're, you're filled with the Spirit of God and and. All your problems just seem like trivial nothing. And you were ready to witness to anybody who would move. Remember that? Wasn't that good? How long has it been since you had that joy again? How long has it been? So I was wondering what the problem is. Why is it that believers... 
commit suicide? Why is it that believers get divorced? Why is it that believers are not heartbroken uh, for the loss around the world? Why is it that we have reached a place in our Christianity where we can sit and, and hear the need and see the need and understand the need and say, yeah, that's good, we'll pray for you and walk on out the door and maybe you'll pray for them tonight and the rest of the time you forgot about it. What is the problem here? Well... I promised the men I was going to tell them who the first American missionary was, by the way. It was not Adoniram Judson, and it was a man named George Lyle. And he was a black man. He got freed in Georgia and uh, because of the, uh, the Revolutionary War at the time. And uh, his owner freed him, and he started a black church in Atlanta. And he pastored that church and ministered to the slaves in the plantations. And then he volunteered uh, to go. And I told the brother Trinidad, it wasn't Trinidad, um, Jamaica. He went to Jamaica. That's where he went. That was 30 years before Adoniram Judson got on the boat. Y'all with me this morning? And most places I go, they never heard of that guy. And And to be honest with you, until I studied it out, I'd never heard of that man. But he was the first missionary. The point I want you to see was, he gave up everything he had. He was a freed man and he gave all that up to go to an island to minister to slaves. And you could go on and on and on with the men of God who have responded to the need. My question this morning is, and I'm, I'm good at asking questions. What happened to this thing? Has the commission to reach the world expired? Has the Holy Ghost of God stopped calling? You know, the charismatics have scared the Baptists to death about the Holy Ghost of God. There is the Holy Ghost of God. And if you're saved, He's in you this morning. And by the way, you have all you're going to get this side of heaven. You don't need to pray for it. You got it. Question is, does the Holy Ghost have you? Y'all with me today? He's telling all these people to follow him. I mean, this is, this is God manifesting the flesh, saying, follow me. And they're thinking, man, what excuse can I give so I don't have to follow this guy? So the commission is not expired. Well, it must be the plan of God then. Maybe the plan of God's wrong. Preacher, how many Baptist churches did you tell me were in this area? 115. 115 Baptist churches. And some of y'all are looking like I'm whipping you. I'm not here to whip you this morning. I'm simply telling you, is there anything wrong or asking you, is there anything wrong with the plan of God? If you were God, y'all just humor me for a minute. If you were God, what would you do? Would you send 115 preachers to 28,000 people and leave whole countries with no gospel witness whatsoever? Would you do it that way? Would you plan it that way? I understand we're not God, and I'm not trying to be uh, flipping about this thing. But I'm saying, is there a problem with the plan of God? 
America has more preachers per capita than any place in the world. And you, the, nine times out of ten, when a man surrenders to the ministry, he says, well, what are you going to do? I'm going to start a church down the street. You need another church in in uh, 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 Statesville, North Carolina, like I need a hole in my head. Amen. That's the problem. That's the problem. God uses the local church. I told you this uh, today that you all were a, a a boot camp for the army of God. I believe that with all my heart. I believe it. So why is there no response? Why is there no burden? And why is God not calling among you? Any of y'all, you men, probably you ladies too, are probably packing iron this morning, but uh, y'all shooters, you ever go out to the rifle range or out to the range to, what do you take with you besides your ammunition and your gun? Target, okay, what else? You take hearing protection, do you not? And you walk up to that range, man, you can hear bang, 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 bang. And you put that hearing protection on and it's bang, 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 bang. Christians, when we get sin in our life, the problem, the reason we don't respond is that the sin has dulled our hearing. Now listen, man is body, soul, and spirit, y'all with me? Okay. That soul is mind, will, and emotions, and somewhere in there, you can put it wherever you want, uh, it doesn't matter to me. But somewhere in there, there's a conscience. Saved have it, the lost have it. You have a conscience. And we say, God speaks through our heart. But what God speaks to, the Holy Ghost of God speaks to that conscience. And the Bible says that conscience can be pure. That conscience can be defiled. And that conscience can be seared. I don't have time to get into all the theology about it. But I want you to understand this morning. The problem in the church is there's no fear of God anymore. There's no fear of God. Bible says the beginning, uh, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Bible says fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. You read the book of Proverbs. But there's no fear of God. Second problem is there's no fear of God and there is no repentance. I understand 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when God does that, you're made clean. You have that pure conscience again. Because the mercies of God, He has forgiven you that sin. He has wiped it away. When you get saved, if you're lost here this morning, when you get saved, the reason you feel that joy in your life is that God is wiping that sin away. And instead of, for lack of for illustration purposes, instead of being uh, black with sin, it's white. Bible says it's whiter than snow. 
And so all that guilt is taken away and you feel so light and so free and you feel so uh, so good and so happy and this your joy fills your life and all of a sudden this lady you've been living with with 30 years that you've been snapping at and grumpy with, man, she looks pretty good again. Y'all with me this morning? Because what you have done is you have confessed that sin. Now listen, there's more to it than just opening your mouth and confession. In New Guinea we have a, when somebody gets saved we say, all the bell. Well, in the New Guinea pigeon, bell is your heart and bell is your stomach. Either one, depending on the context you use it in. But when you confess that sin, you need to tiny bell. You need to turn around and get away from that thing. It's not, well, God forgive me and go back out and do it again. That's not it. Because when you pray and say, God forgive me of this thing, and you go jump right back in it, listen to me, well, there is no repentance there. There's no turning from that sin. So the guilt stays, and before you know it, you're right back into the same old mess. The Bible says a dog returns to his vomit. I'm not trying to be ugly here this morning. I'm just trying to tell you what that does as that sin piles up and it's unconfessed. Y'all humor me for just a minute. Would you, would you put your hand over your ears? When that sin goes unconfessed, then it's hard for you to hear. I'm not talking about my voice. It's hard to hear the voice of God because the Spirit wants to speak to that heart. Okay, put your hand down. The Spirit, sorry, the Spirit wants to speak to your heart. God doesn't come and say, listen, you need to get right. And God, this is my wife, so I can do this and pull you down the aisle. That's not how God works. Oh, she's pulling back here. Okay. That's not how it works. God speaks to that conscience. And the more that sin piles up, not only is it hard of hearing, it lacks feeling. I went to the ear, nose, and throat doctor the other day. I take a lot of Coumadin. I got bruises on me. A lot of blood thinner. And he put silver nitrate in my nose to carterize those veins. And I'm telling you, that is not a pleasant experience. I don't recommend it. But as that stuff touched that tender skin in there, even though he numbed it, it still hurt. But he numbed that thing, and, and I was numb to the tip of my nose, to the top of my head. I had a lady in Nugeti. I got a piece of glass in my foot down in the swamp. I had a lady in our church, Sister Oinan. She was a, I call her a nurse, but she's like a, a what do they call a nurse without a degree here? I can't remember what they call it in America. Anyway, that's what she was. So she said, I'll come and get it out. And it was clear. You couldn't see it. And she brought with her this uh, kit with a scalpel in it and and she said, I'm going to give you a shot. So she gave me a little numbing in the heel of my foot where that piece of clear glass was. And she started to touch it with that scalpel. And I said, oh, that hurt. She said, oh, I'll give you some more. And my foot got numb. My legs got numb. She could have given me brain surgery and I wouldn't have known the difference. 
all that and she couldn't find it. That's what sin does to you. And if you stay in that sin long enough, then Jesus himself could get up here and preach this morning and you say, well, that's a pretty good message. He seems like he knows the Bible pretty well. And go on out the door. Because it's not touching your heart. Now listen to me. I need another volunteer. Young man, come help me just a minute, would you? Come on up here. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just turn around. Turn around this way. Now give me your hand. Okay. He's faith. I'm his conscience. Conscience and faith walk together. The softer that conscience is, the stronger your faith. The weaker that conscience is, the more desensitized it is, then that faith goes down. Thank you. When that conscience is pure and clean, man, you look at God a whole different way. God, man, he can do anything. I mean, brother, if he could save you, he can save anybody, can he not? Amen. Amen. Because you're looking at him with a pure conscience. And man, we were praying here last night and I'm thinking, uh, man, we are talking to the God that created the universe. And it actually frightened me. I know we're supposed to go boldly before the throne, but it frightened me to understand how small that I am and who we are putting these petitions before. I mean, I just looked at God as God, not just something that's abstract and far away or a word that I read in my Bible. I mean, He is God. And it makes a difference. Your conscience makes a difference on how you look at God or how you respond to God. Another little illustration. Pretend I got a wheelbarrow. And in that wheelbarrow, I'm going to put faith and conscience. That wheelbarrow is pushed or powered by your will. You all with me so far? Say, preacher, I'm looking for direction. And the Holy Ghost of God, he's the traffic cop. And he's saying, this way, go this way, come on, go this way, go this way. And your will is pushing that, pushing your conscience and pushing your faith. And that conscience is, they, you, you hear a bit of what God wants to say. But man, that will doesn't want to go that way and follow God. That will wants to go this way. The problem is your will is pushing faith and conscience. Jesus, when he got in the garden, remember what he prayed? He said, Lord, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thy will be done. We got a couple of problems here. One, we are, our consciences are desensitized by sin and that Will that own personal will and desire has surfaced and become the power and leader in our lives. The illustration is we put God off the throne and self got on the throne. So now I'm calling the shots. 
The society said, hey, it's your life. Do what you want to do. If it feels good, do it. Don't worry about what everybody. Just do it. But as a Christian, we're supposed to hear the voice of God. We're supposed to get the direction of God. And the Holy Ghost, the problem, the, the issue I was looking at is why does God not move? Why are things not happening? The fact of the matter is He is speaking. And he is moving and he is calling. The problem is we're not listening. You wives ever tell your, your husband he's watching the football games and, man, honey, the garbage is overflowing. I wish you'd come and take the garbage out. In my house, that's a man's job. You say, yeah, 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 I'll be right with you. <laughs> yeah, it's still overflowing when that game's over two hours later. Say, did you hear? Well, yeah, but you know, it's a little thing. We need to get in a point in our lives where we listen to the voice of God. Now, God speaks. We're supposed to listen. And we're supposed to respond. Oh man, that purged heart. It's so wonderful. It's so good. It's so clean. If you leave it like it is, it goes from being seared or desensitized to being evil. And then you start to read your Bible and it's just words because every time you read a verse, it convicts your heart. And so you quit reading that Bible. You quit praying. You don't want to come to church anymore. But when you get right with God and you get that conscience clear, boy, that, that, this thing becomes so sweet. The Word of God just opens up and, and listen, I've been in ministry 37 years. And I'll read it sometimes and I think, man, I never saw that before. And God just opens up a, a something else and something else and just, you get fed by the Word of God. And then you pray, and it doesn't feel like you're praying to the step over here. It feels like you're praying to God Almighty. Here's the problem. You ladies, when you have cleaning to do, there's two types of cleaning that you do. If your husband came home and said, Brother Ted's coming for lunch, him and Sister Lynn are coming for lunch on Sunday. The first thing you think about is, does my floor need to be vacuumed? Make sure the bathrooms are clean. Have a good clean towel out for the guest. What am I going to fix? You're thinking about all those things. And just because Brother Ted's just going to be there for an hour or so, and then he'll be gone. So as my wife says, you do, you just clean on top. But man, when springtime comes around, it's time for the men to leave the house because now she don't want to do surface cleaning. She doesn't just want to dust the coffee table. She wants to get down there deep and she wants to move the furniture. She wants to wash the, well, she wants you to wash the windows. <laughs> Y'all know about that? I mean, man, we get to doing that thing. And seeing that, and she wants, man, she wants everything washed. She wants everything clean. She doesn't do that every day, but about once a year, they call it spring cleaning. 
And that's where you just don't wipe off the surface. That's where you get way down where that, that dirt is hiding. Most of the time when we pray and ask God to forgive us, we are just wiping off the top. That's all we're doing. But way down deep, way down in the little corners of your life, way down where nobody sees but you and God, there's still sin there. Listen, people. That's why people get depressed. That's why people get divorced. Because they look at their lives and they think, man, listen, I went and prayed, but there doesn't seem just a, there's no hope. But the problem is you didn't get way down deep. You didn't clean out those corners and take everything out of the cabinet and make sure there's no roach eggs in there or whatever they you all find in there. You've got to get way down deep where light hasn't shined for a while. And you need to get on your face before God and you need to confess that sin, not to me, not to this preacher, but to God. And what happens is He will take that sin and in his mercy and grace, he'll wipe you clean again. And boy, that joy comes back. That fellowship with God comes back. Your prayers start to get answered. You remember that little boy got, got, uh, got lost down here last week? And they found him. I don't know where that was in North Carolina, but somewhere. You know what he said? He said, God sent me a bear to hang out with. Now, I don't take credit for that, but the other day, uh, or the other night, about three o'clock in the morning, God <laughs> woke me up. And the first thing I thought about was that little boy, and I said, God, protect that boy. Amen. And then I read yesterday that he was hanging out with a bear. Is God good or what? Now, I don't take, please don't misunderstand, I don't take credit for that, but I figured that was an answer to my prayer. And it gave me joy that God answered my prayer. Listen, I, you get into church service and somebody says, Brother, i got to praise God. I prayed for this and God answered my prayer. And you go over here and, well, I'll come this morning and they were going to do a heart transplant on me two months ago. And you look at me this morning and here I am. Now, I'm not declaring New Testament apostolic healing. I'm not doing that. I still take 14 pills a day. But brethren, I can walk from my car in here and I can preach to you for 30 or 40 minutes and it's just glory to God. But wouldn't you like to have something in your life that you can stand up and say, hey man, God answered my prayer. When's the last time God answered your prayer? Listen, I'm not speaking to your head this morning. I'm speaking to your heart. The problem is there's no fear of God. The problem is there's no repentance from sin. The problem is the church as a whole and man as a society has closed their ears and the Holy Ghost of God is pleading. Bible says in, in Proverbs, wisdom crieth in the streets. How long, ye simple ones? 
Oh, my soul, wisdom is crying this morning. And God wants to clean you of that sin. God wants to renew that fellowship. God wants to restore unto you the joy of your salvation. God wants to pull you close and hug you and hold you tight. You say, preacher, that's the problem. Where do I get the answer? Right here. On that altar. Not confessing to me, but confessing to Almighty God. I got a preacher friend in Ohio. He said, if God speaks to you, you need to respond. And if God doesn't speak to you, you need to respond. Is God speaking to your heart this morning? Have you got an issue with a brother or sister? Are you depressed? Thinking about suicide? Thinking about divorce? Got a problem at work? Are you lost this morning? You do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You say, preacher, that's the problem. What do I do? Leave your seat and walk down here and somebody will take a Bible and show you how to get your sins forgiven. That conscience cleaned and renewed and find the joy in your life. Where do you stand this morning with God? Are you on speaking terms? He said in our text, follow me. You've got the Holy Ghost. Does the Holy Ghost have you? Who's pushing your wheelbarrow, you or God? My friend, the answer is right here. I'd ask you to stand with me if you would, please. Brother, do you mind if I give the invitation? Is that okay? If the sister, if you'd come and just play a song, we don't have to sing, it's okay. She's just going to play a song. Now listen, people, the, the altar is open. I'm not waiting on you at the altar this morning. God is waiting on you. And that joy is a prayer away. Y'all mind the Holy Ghost of God this morning if God spoke to your heart. Sister, if you just play for me, please. Get those little places clean in your life. Those little things that just need to be talked to and addressed this morning. Get that joy back. Get that burden back for the lost. Get that relationship right with God. Or come and find salvation today in the Lord Jesus Christ at the altar. I'm not going to pull you down here. I'm not going to prolong the invitation. But my only invitation is mind the Holy Ghost of God. He's trying to speak to you this morning. Would you open your heart and open your life? Pianist continues to play. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. That's the invitation song. 
That's the invitation. Only you can make that decision. Only you can act upon with your will and say from your heart, Have thine own way, Lord. If you'd like to let the Lord have his way in your life, we encourage you to come. Make a commitment. Make a decision. Respond from the heart. Step out into the aisle. Come on down here to these steps. The altar, we call it. Present yourself as a sacrifice to God. He knows what to do with you. He knows how to take care of you. And I can promise you here that God's not trying to trick you and deceive you and take away your fun. God's got something far better for your life than you can even imagine. I know people that won't get saved because they're afraid of giving up some sin when that little sin really amounts to nothing. It doesn't bring you happiness. It doesn't bring you joy. You're hanging on to something that will come to nothing when God wants to give you everything. But you have to trust Him. Say, well, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Well, that's great. The book of James says, the devils also believe and tremble. They tremble. They have the fear of God. They believe, but they don't trust. They rebelled against Him. And that has been Satan's plan, his plot, is to cause the entire human race to rebel against God. If you're pushing your wheelbarrow, if you're pushing your life, then that is rebellion. You don't have to be shaking your fist at God to be a rebel. I've seen it in young people. I've seen it in teenagers. I've seen teenagers give me happy talk. Yes, sir. No, sir. Sound real real respectful and then walk away and smirk and smile and never even plan on doing what they said that they would do. I wonder if you're treating God the same way, giving Him happy talk. Yes, sir. But down deep, you don't want, you're not one bit interested in what God has for your life. You need to come to this altar. You need to respond. No one can do it for you. I remember like what Brother Ted was saying, I spent all of my high school years, I was saved, but my conscience had gotten so numb to God that I'd sit in a church service and I was totally disinterested. If the preacher said, come to the altar, if God speaks to your heart, I, I, I didn't even pay any attention to it because I didn't remember God speaking to my heart. But when he finally got through and I finally repented and I finally trusted him, oh, it was amazing. Every single church service, every single thing that the preacher said that was true, it's like, wow, God's speaking to me and it became so real and so personal and it brought so much joy and happiness in my life I was already saved but boy I thought I'd, I thought I got saved right there because now all of a sudden my clear conscience I was hearing the voice of God 
You know what? There may be someone here today that you're saved, but God's not speaking to your heart. We say, come to the altar if God's speaking to your heart. If God's not speaking to your heart, you ought to come and say, God, I need to get right with you because I want to hear from you. When Adam heard the voice of God in the garden, he hid. Why did he hide? Because his conscience. He said, I hid because I was naked. That's that's certainly a fear of God, but that's not the kind of fear that draws us to him. You know, even in spite of that, God clothed Adam. God... Adam had to suffer the consequences, but even in spite of that, God still blessed him and God gave him a means by which that relationship could be restored. If you're out of fellowship with God, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, will cleanse you from all sin. Wonderful news, folks. Wonderful news. Let's take a hymnal, hymn 306, Have Thine Own Way. As we sing this invitation song, the altar is still open. We're in no hurry. We've got plenty of time for God to do business with us. You come if you need to come.